I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got another icon of Echoes, Steve Roach, who came in at number two of our 30 icons of Echoes, just behind Brian Eno. I've got a wonderful sound portrait of this very influential artist. We're also going to be talking to Anna Brune, the wonderful Norwegian singer and songwriter. She has two new albums at once, the electronic After the Great Storm and the chamber pop of How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow. Both are the Echoes CD of the Month for December. Before we get to that, I want to thank everybody who contributed to the Echoes Fall Fundraiser, only our second fundraiser in 31 years, where we actually asked listeners for the support of the show and the podcast. And it came through. We still have a ways to go, however, to make our budget for 2020, so if you haven't given yet, you can still do it at echoes.org. And while I love the $25 pledges as much as the $1,000 ones, it really takes those bigger contributions to make an impact. So if you have it, please give it. And if you don't, do what you can. Go to echoes.org and click on the Donations tab. And now, let's enter the existential world of Anna Brune. Norwegian singer Anna Brun has been enchanting listeners with her yearning voice and introspective songs for most of this century so far. She's thought of as a singer-songwriter with folk roots, and some may know her as a backup singer for Peter Gabriel. In the last decade, she's expanded her sound into chamber pop. On one of her two new albums, she explores that sound even more, but on the other, she indulges her love of electronic music. You'll never be more than a lover You will always be the Anna Brun has lived in Sweden for the last 20 years, and I often have to correct myself from calling her a Swedish musician because she's actually Norwegian. But right now, pandemic and love have brought her back home. Since two years, two and a half years back, I've been with a Norwegian guy, which is weird. After 20 years in Sweden, I met a Norwegian guy from my hometown, my small hometown, which is a typical story. And he lives in Oslo. And I was going here to celebrate my birthday with him on the 10th of March. And I had just packed a weekend bag and went over here. And two days later, they shut the borders <laughs> to Sweden. And I was like, oh, of course I could go back, but I didn't know if I could come back to Norway. You know, So I was like, I want to be with him. I don't want to be alone in this chaos. So I just stayed. Speaking on Zoom, Anna Brun, now in her mid-40s, is every bit the Nordic image of beauty with her ice blue eyes and long blonde hair. Her new recordings were composed, but for one song, before the pandemic hit. But the pandemic helped shape what was supposed to be one album into two. And the album was supposed to be like the After the Great Storm album, like big and produced and elaborate somehow. But as I started recording, some of the songs could not reach their potential through those kind of production. And then after the pandemic started, I ended up in Oslo in a, like a semi-lockdown situation. and. We had more or less finished all the recordings. We were going to mix and, and uh, do the last 
things uh, and then I had time to listen through the album and there were three songs that I wasn't really happy with so I decided to rearrange them as more intimate songs and when I'd done that and I felt that they had actually landed like this is how they're supposed to be I could see that half the songs were big and half the songs were intimate and I also felt that they didn't fit together in the same album because it would break the dynamics so much from both of them and I wanted people to have like come into a state of mind that wasn't broken like in a dream I trust in this and you This song is from the more chamber pop album, How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow. But the other recording, after the great storm, indulges her love of electronic music. I grew up in the 90s, in my early 20s, dancing to house music and, and drum and bass and, and all that like crossover jazz, hip-hop, trip-hop music. I wrote a lot of songs with MIDI, so I've kind of pre-produced with MIDI beats and, and also uh, synth bass and, and synthesizers and like sketched on, on my computer. I had a plan to make songs that were harmonically more open than I usually have. I, I kind of have this fascination with songs that are created on top of just one riff and you can hear the melody evolving anyway, but you don't have to really change. The form, the harmonic forms, you can kind of just make it grow. Like one of the covers I've done, the Halo song, is one of those typical songs. It's just a, a bass line. And then the vocals move so that you feel there is a chorus. But harmonically, it's the same. Remember those walls I built? Baby, they were tumbling down. They didn't even put up a fight. They didn't even make up a sound. And also like old 1600s madrigals and, and the arias that I've also done covers of. It's the same build-up. It's like a baseline that just repeats itself. And the vocals are experimenting to find its way on top of that. And that's something I've been fascinated with. And I wanted to do that for this album. So quite a few of the songs are written that way. The composition Take Hold of Me reflects that sound and it's the perfect setting for a song of existential questions, working like a hymn to the universe, but not expecting an answer. The first lyric, My Existence is Screaming, is an opening line of Thomas Pynchon Dimensions. My existence is screaming It's a physical feeling Of missing out it's very existential. It's very much like, okay, am I at the right place in life? Am I the right place on earth? Am I doing what I should be doing with my life? Am I with someone that I should be with? And a lot of questions about, am I leading the right life kind of thing? And um, 
wanting many things at the same time and then maybe not doing any of them for real. All those feelings you can have as an individual, probably midlife, you know, you've done a lot and you don't really know what to spend your next parts on. So it's very existential, it's very like a collection of different thoughts around that. And the weight of expectations Genes and generations Calling my name This kind of song worked for the After the Great Storm album, but other tunes, as she said, needed a more personal sonic landscape. One of those is Lose My Way. It's actually to my dad, who died. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, when did he die? Well, this is a big part of the whole album, actually, that he died in 2016, just a few months after I met you. Oh. And uh, that's why everything has taken so long. <laughs> Uh. It took me a couple of years to be able to write any music. Uh, Lose My Way, I wrote it just four weeks after he passed away. Uh, I met just Dustin O'Halloran in, in Berlin, and we wrote this song together. Dustin O'Halloran is the ambient chamber music composer, film score, and member of A Winged Victory for the Sullen. And it was a song that was written really like out of this fresh feeling of losing him, and, and it, was, it was almost like he was still there somehow. And then... I just didn't want to write for a couple of years. I just didn't feel like digging. And so I think everything was kind of postponed a couple of years because of that. But I have dealt with my father's passing through these songs a lot, so. I thought I'd be so lost. I thought that you'd be gone for me. Anna Brune is very much a woman who lives in the present and looks forward, but for one song, Honey, inspiration came from a cassette out of her childhood. It's quite a cute story. I had a pen pal for many, many years. We met through a magazine when we were 12, and we wrote long letters, like for years. I mean, that's like 60 pages for letters, almost like diaries. And when we were in our 30s, we swapped, so I got my letters back and she got hers, and it was like a shoebox of letters. And in that, there was a tape, a cassette tape, which I kind of knew that I had recorded something on. And I didn't have a cassette player until last year. I got to borrow my brother's yellow Sony Walkman, sports Walkman. I remember sitting down in my apartment and just putting up headphones on this, and I just kind of, you know, there was an 18-year-old self just talking for two sides of his cassette. And I was just babbling and talking really fast and laughing and crying and it was just like so honest and so real and I was so moved by it. It was just like, oh my god, I'm 44 now and it's a long time ago. A lot of things have passed since then and just reconnecting with her was really fun and really my heart just kind of blew up because 
I felt so much love for that young girl and all she had to learn, <laughs> you know. And when I kind of came out of it, I was just sat there and I was like, oh my God, I have to capture this. I have to capture this in a song. And then I just sat down and wrote some words down and some ideas. And, and I think I wrote that song that one day or something because it just... It was something I really wanted to capture. I felt that this is something worth talking about. And it was special because I kind of heard something that I had recently reconnected with. Because I, as an 18-year-old and also younger, I was a very like giggly, happy, quite optimistic and brave girl. through a lot of tribulations in her life, central among them, chronic lupus, a debilitating disease that is occasionally short-circuited on a Bruins life plans. I got the illness, the lupus, and a lot of things with that that brought so much uh, seriousness into my life. And I think I somehow lost track of that giggle for a few years. But I have found it, like five, six years ago, it kind of came back slowly. So when I heard myself on that cassette, I kind of know, mm, I'm back. That's the one I know, you know. If you want to see how back she is, check out her video for Honey, where she dances ecstatically through city streets. The inspiration for Honey also leaked into the title track of After the Great Storm, a song about tapping a more life-affirming state of mind after a period of turmoil. When I came out of the disease and I felt that I was getting better, I almost have this euphoric kind of epiphany feeling that we were all connected. It was very strange. It was almost like a religious feeling. I'm not religious, but it was a very spiritual feeling that we all are connected and we are made of the same like particles and the same energy. It's just that feeling that I sometimes try to go back to because it's like an epiphany that you will never forget. It's, it's just very, very strong. With their two albums, After the Great Storm and How Beauty Holds the Hand of Sorrow, Anna Brun has created her deepest and most enveloping music in her career. Existential quandaries have rarely been couched so beautifully.
Both of Anna Brun's albums, How Beauty Holds a Hand of Sorrow and After the Great Storm, are the Echoes CD of the Month for December. You can read my review of them at echoes.org, and while you're there, check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club so you can get great albums like that every month and sometimes two a month. This year, you selected our 30 Icons of Echoes to celebrate Echoes' 30th year, and through the next few months, we'll be featuring each of them in special shows. We did a two-hour Steve Roach show last week, and in the Echoes podcast, I've got Steve Roach himself talking about the development of his art. When we created Echoes 31 years ago, Steve Roach was one of the artists at the forefront of our thoughts. In fact, he was the first artist ever heard on the show since he composed the theme song we used back in our earlier years. He's continued evolving his sound across that time with a prolific outpouring of releases. And while other artists from the early years of the show have faded away, Steve Roach has remained vital. He is the second of 30 Icons of Echoes as we celebrate our 30th anniversary. Steve Roach calls his studio the Time Room, and that's an appropriate name for music that plays with concepts of time and perception. Well, it has something to do with time and the distortion of time or changing time and playing with time. Ever since I was very, very young, I was always, always liked it moving and out of time. I always remember when I was very young, I would spin in circles like children do, and then just feel that disorientation. I really enjoyed that feeling. Part of his attraction to sequencer patterns, repeating cycles of sound and melody. Repetitious patterns or cyclic patterns or phasing patterns are hypnotic forms that have really been elements in music that have attracted me since I could ever remember. There's a reason Steve Roach is one of the most revered names in modern electronic music. It's not just the 200 or so albums he's birthed in four decades, but the expansiveness of his vision. It's a vision that has impacted a younger generation of musicians like Evan Bartholomew, who records down-tempo electronic music as Blue Tech. I mean, Steve's like, beyond legendary, right? He's, he's basically a genre unto himself. His mastery of just space, and I mean, obviously his sequencer-driven stuff is amazing. I think it's the pure ambient stuff is the, the music that touches me the most, I think.
Steve Roachton's spring fully formed from his synthesizer circuitry. In the 1970s, he was listening to space music from Europe, and in particular, Klaus Schulze. In fact, until he moved to Tucson 30 years ago, the cover of Schulze's 1975 album, Time Win, sat in his Los Angeles studio like a religious icon. I think when I heard Time Win was really the album that hit the switch for me. This is the sound and the quality of the sound and the feeling. It went so deep, it cut through so many layers. The experience of that music was so direct and it seemed so familiar. Steve Roach quickly outdistanced his influences, developing a music that had two distinct sides. One was high energy, driven by cyclical rhythmic note patterns, the kind of music you'd want to spin to. The other side of Steve Roach was heard in pieces like Quiet Music and his classic Structures from Silence. These emerged out of a space that Roach calls the Drone Zone. After a period of time, I start to hear things differently and become very aware of different things within the experience of making music. Where I feel that my time in the Drone Zone, it's a very special time for learning because it helps to break down a lot of the, uh, let's say, conditioning that is built up. Drones also drew Steve Roach to an Australian Aboriginal instrument called the didgeridoo. It's a hollowed out tree branch blown from the end. The didgeridoo in particular is a sound that seems to come from the earth itself and from the animals and from the environment that these people are steeped in. After a trip to Australia, Steve Roach composed his signature album, Dreamtime Return. He's always made a future is now style of music, but with Dreamtime Return, he began calling up primeval imagery and influences. 
on stage in the late 90s. Amongst all his synthesizers, he also rustled through seed pod clusters, wooden sticks, ocarinas, and stones. In Roach's hands, these rub stones became both the soaring textures and dark landscapes they began using on his Dreamtime return. The dream time, the aspects of dream time and the kind of states I wanted to evoke on that album, for me it's like the, the combining earth type sounds from the environment combined with very deep internal physical feelings and sounds. Roach's trip to Australia segued into his 1989 move to Arizona. His music has been inspired by the high desert there. It's uh, the kind of landscape that I am personally attracted to for this stark, absolutely alien-like desertscape, which is barren with possibilities, but really evocative and, and otherworldly in, in its presence. This primeval sound has influenced many of his recordings throughout the 90s and into the 21st century, including collaborations with the late Mexican musician Jorge Reyes and his peers from the California scene, Michael Stearns and Robert Rich. Over the last five years, Steve Roach has been exploring the world of modular analog synthesis, playing electronic devices with no keyboards. It began with his 2015 release, Skeleton Keys. Skeleton Keys, Spiral Revelation, Molecules of Motion, Bloom Ascension, I mean that's the set there that just kept one, kept revealing the next and the momentum of that and the joy of working with that modular equipment was just it's ecstatic and most all of those albums i just mentioned and most especially bloom are all created as like when you hear that music that you're hearing it being created right there there's almost no overdubs on any of it i wanted all the focus on the, the symmetry and the geometric mandala-esque forms that come through this way of working with sequencers that i'm so drawn to Michael Stearns. Where he's gone with his sequencer stuff, he and I performed together here in Santa Fe last summer. And he blew my mind. He's taken his sequencing to a level that Tangerine Dream just never got to. I mean, I love Tangerine Dream, but boy, Steve has just taken it into this whole other zone. Steve will create a piece of music where those sequencer things get turned into this tapestry of like a 
like you're looking at a Middle Eastern carpet or something and you're focusing on all, all these little designs and weavings in it. Steve Roach hasn't forgotten these influences, and now in his mid-60s, he's been looking back after decades of looking forward. On his 2019 album, Trance Archaeology, there's a piece called Trance Genealogy. The title reflects Roach digging through his electronic roots. There's definitely an homage to Klaus Schulze in there, you know, that piece in particular. That's where the trance genealogy, like the tracing of the origins of, of your roots are in there and then the title suggests that that the family tree of the music that was influential in the formation of of myself in the early years it's still that dna is just in there forever Steve Roach is now an icon in his own right. He's released nearly a hundred studio and live recordings and over 50 collaborations. He's also been nominated twice for Grammy Awards, which always seemed strange because his music is so far outside that milieu. Through it all, he's continued to evolve his sound, whether staring into the abyss of the magnificent void or pummeling through sequence or dervishes, Steve Roach is creating unique sonic worlds. But it's a sanctuary of sound that flows from the speakers, it exists for this time that it's playing, and if it's really potent, it exists after the sound stops. Steve Roach, he's been on the Echo's journey with us from the beginning. He's the second of 30 icons of Echo's. Steve Roach's latest album is called Tomorrow, and I'll have a link for that in the posting for this podcast. Next week in the Echoes podcast, I've got Hans Joachim Rodelius from the German groups Cluster and Harmonia. Rodelius just turned 86. And we'll hear about Thievery Corporation from Eric Hilton and Rob Garza. Eric Hilton has two really cool ambient albums out right now. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight, on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online, right now, or whenever you want. <laughs>